this church Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, I woke up this morning, and thankfully Bill had given me a little bit of warning that it was my turn. And so, you know, you start thinking about it, and I just, Lord, what, uh, what would you have? How should we pray? And uh, God just had encouraged me this morning, you know, to do something different. How many of us want to be uncomfortable this morning? Raise your hand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we try to be comfortable. That's just kind of our nature is we like to be comfortable. And the Lord this morning had just put on my heart about being honest with each other and how important it is that we're honest with each other. And, uh, you know, we're so accustomed to being maybe not really dishonest, but just putting our best self out there. We all got dressed this morning, came to church, put our best clothes on. Everybody looks like they have a smile. And that's kind of how we are, right? A lot of us just got done with Thanksgiving, and you look on Facebook and Twitter and the other ones, whatever they're called, and uh, we all put our best pictures, good selfies, good family pictures. I didn't see anybody that put uh, best family fight ever, right? And so, but things happen, and you know, life is real. And this morning, uh, this part of our, our worship service is prayer. And, you know, I used to teach kids a lot and always taught kids prayer is just simply talking to God. God has made it so simple for us that we can just talk to him. And we just got done singing, how great is our God. You know, how great is our God that if every one of us in this room right now was to lift our voice in prayer, that he could hear each prayer. And the Bible says he hears and he answers our prayers and he is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? And so, you know, this morning what I just ask, you know, we look in our bulletin, we see a lot of physical needs. We see uh, people who need God's healing touch. Maybe some things aren't written in the bulletin this morning. Maybe there's some marriage problems. Maybe there's people who have financial problems. Perhaps there's people who have broken friendships asking God for healing in those friendships. You might have a neighbor who's struggling. You know, we all have something that we are coming to God for, and we're trusting him. We don't just want to come to church and just kind of go through the motions. We want to trust God for big things. And so if you have a prayer request this morning, first thing I would just ask, if you just slip your hand up, saying, you know what, Daniel, I have something I'd like to lift up to God in prayer. If that's you, just raise your hand. It's all right. It's uncomfortable. Just raise your hand and leave your hand up. And if you're around that person, if you would just reach forward and either place your hand on them or if, if you would, if everyone would just stretch your hand out towards someone that has their hand up. And let's just lift, lift up these requests to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And God, we just thank you that we could come here this morning. We could worship you. We sang how great is our God and that your name is worthy to be lifted high. And we believe that this morning. God, we believe that you are able and that you are powerful. Lord, that you know every heart and you know every life and you know every need this morning. You know the needs in our bulletin. Lord, you know the needs of people who have their hand raised right now. And so, Lord, we just stretch out our hands and we pray over these requests, Father, that you would meet each one, that you would move in a mighty way, God. Lord, help us to be 
honest as a body of Christ. We're just studying through the book of Acts. And it's all about the church serving each other, worshiping the God of the Bible. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be a church who lifts your name on high, who prays and who studies the word of God. Lord, as a body of Christ this morning, we lift up the world around us. Our community of Hastings, Father, there's so many needs, there's things happening. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us, Lord, to be a, a city on a hill. The Bible says that cannot be hidden. Lord, a church that makes a difference in the community around us, that we would reach out with the gospel, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that he can save those who will come to him. And Lord, I just pray that as we go through a time of transition, Father, that you would use this church and that you would help us to, Father, to be able to know during this time of transition what you have called this body to do and to be doing in the city of Hastings. Lord, we lift up our state and our nation, Lord, and, and rulers of the world, Lord, that you would just, Father, be working in mighty ways, Lord, that you would give wisdom to those who are leading our country, our state, Lord, and, and other leaders in the world. Father, we pray that you would, Lord, bring revival in our land. Lord, turn on the news. We see things going on, and Lord, we know that we need you. And yet we're excited, Lord, because we see signs of the times, Lord. We know, we read in the scriptures that Jesus is coming back. We're excited about that. Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to share the news with other people so that they're ready. We give you praise, Lord. We pray for uh, our brother Hobe this morning, Lord, as he brings a message to us, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak mighty through him. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear the message that you've placed on his heart, Father, that we would receive it, and Lord, that we would not be just hearers of your word this morning, but that we would also be doers of your word. We pray this in your precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hola, and blessing from Honduras. We are the Gamis family. I am Job. I'm Adria. I'm Elizabeth. We serve the Lord here in Honduras. Honduras is a developing country and many necessities we take for granted in the States, such as water, education, and employment, are considered luxuries here. The economy is largely based in subsistence farming, which is made incredibly challenging due to the mountainous terrain. God has led us to serve Him in four areas. The first area is water access. We use well drilling and well repairs to help secure access to water during times of drought. We also use water filters and chlorinators for communities that don't have access to clean drinking water. The second area is education. We provide school kits and shoes for kids in rural areas that otherwise would not attend school. We also help repair school buildings that have not been maintained due to lack of funds. The third area is agriculture. God has entrusted to us a beautiful part of his creation. This property you see behind us is where we now live and where we are establishing a demonstration farm. This will be used to train subsistence farmers in techniques that greatly impact their harvests as they struggle to cultivate these steep mountainsides. Alongside the demonstration farm, we plan to establish a cooperative that will help these small farmers gain access to the market with better prices. We believe that a key to helping these farmers succeed relates to a well-known phrase we all know. If you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. 
but we want to take that a step further and teach these farmers how to sell their fish, in this case crops, so that they can have cash on hand to provide for their families' needs, such as education or medical emergencies. In the fourth and most important area is the spiritual. We have a radio program in a non-Christian radio station where we share the gospel every day with people who otherwise wouldn't hear. Also, we use street preaching at the parks of the larger cities. In all four areas, we use the tools that have been entrusted to us to do the Great Commission. We praise God as people repent from their sins, whether it be through a radio station, in front of a repaired well, a group of school kids, a farmer, or a park. While we are the messengers, only God can bring people to himself. We thank him for people like you that are willing to come alongside us in serving the lost here in Honduras. So, this is our ministry in a nutshell. If you want to hear more, simply shoot us an email and we will make sure to send you our monthly updates. To close, we want to thank each one of you that supports our work. Your generosity is an essential part of this ministry and we pray that God rewards you greatly. From Honduras, God bless you. Dios le bendiga. So I know that not everybody can go to Honduras, so we try to bring you a little bit of Honduras. And um, we are so thankful with all of you because uh, God has used you so we are able to impact uh, communities. And we are able to show them what is a true believer, what is the real gospel, but most of all, that the Christians, we are belong to a kingdom. And that kingdom, the you and I, doesn't matter where we are, we are uh, working for one purpose. And that's to reflect Jesus. Reflect who he really are. And uh, one of the reasons why we do this, um, because we have a, um, a little presentation. It is because in Honduras there is uh, a big movement of people that is faking the gospel. They are just faking the gospel. And so why we do this? Next one, please. Because there are some wolves that look like sheep, and they are doing really, really bad things. Some of the things that are going on there is that uh, people believe, like, if you tie and you offer, you do offering at church, you're doing good. You're going straight to heaven. And that's so sad because the Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible says, like, is your heart you ha what you have to give to Jesus and leave us. He lived here reflecting him, and that's the way to heaven because Jesus is the way to heaven. Next one, please. So what we find out is, like, we need that audience as we have now with you all here that paying attention. 
And most of that audience never going to listen to you if you are just doing the same things as prosperity gospel preachers are doing. And one of the things that prosperity gospel uh, preachers or churches uh, or by religions are not doing, it is loving the neighbor. So there were two hurricanes in Honduras two years ago. And uh, through your support, through your prayers and encouragement, we were able to feed hundreds of families. And those families were listening the true gospel. Because we were not promising them that the life it was going to be better if you accept Jesus. That the house that is gone now, you are going to have a new house. But we were telling like, now Jesus is going to be in your heart. And he will help you to go through. Next one, please. So they were listening. An audience that was listening to you. Why? Because, well, when Jesus was here, he had the power to do miracles. Sadly, I don't have that power. Trust me, I have tried. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, but I have uh, the power to act. The power to be a representative from Hastings in Honduras. So people was able to listen to the true gospel. And next one. Why? So they can become believers. People right in front of that huge mud that was piled at the road was becoming believer. And praise the Lord for that. Next one, please. Water, water area. We want to say thank you so much. I have been looking for this time that I was able to say thank you because you donate a well to a community. A well to a community that did not have water at summer. Over rainy season, it's good. We are able to have water. That's great. But when summer comes, that's gone. And most people need to go to springs that are practically um, a little bit of mud and water. And that's the water that they drink. And back there in our table, if you would like to approach uh, at the end, you will see one of the filters that we use. Each, fi each filter is uh, around $50.00. And with that $50, we secured like a million gallons can be filtered by that uh, filter. And also with the wells, we provide access to water and we do hand pumps. We install hand pumps, as you can see there. And people come and like, what they are doing? And we say like, where well, we are installing a hand pump or we are drilling a well. And they cannot believe it. And then they ask me, why do you do that? Why? Next one, please. And we tell him, well, number one, because the Lord sent me here. And I'm like, the Lord sent you to give me a filter. The Lord sent you to give me something. They are used to, to always have to be giving the little bit of money that they have to the, this uh, false preacher. So they could have, uh, the preacher could have a better life. They could have big houses. And people is starving. Next one, please. And people receive these filters. We train them how to use it, but we give them a, 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 little, a little concern. We tell them, like, you have to use this filter. This filter could last you 20 uh, years, but if you don't do a maintenance, it will, won't last you 20 days. So we are going to go visit you to your home without telling you when, as Jesus will come, because Jesus is not going to tell them when it's going to come. And if you are not using the filter, I will take it with me. And I will give it to a family. And you know what? 
even though it's a radical, kind of, kind of radical approach, they are using the filter. And they're able to go to the homes of non-believers or false believers, and they open me the door. And I'm not there just to say, hi, I'm sharing the gospel. Next one, please. And look how the dirty water looks at our winter. And looks how it, it, it ends. You will see the cup that is clear, clear there. And you only can find that in grocery stores. So people that is only available to see that clear water at the city, they are having it at the countryside. And praise the Lord for that. Next one. And also praise the Lord because in front of a hand pump or a filter, people is become believers. And you are making that happen. God is using you to make that happen. Next one, please. Educational rural area. Um, the buildings of the rural area of uh, schools are just falling apart. They are not taken care of by no one. And that's another opportunity to help subsistence farmers. A subsistence farmer is a farmer that needs to produce their own food. Otherwise, they will starve or they will um, have malnourishment. And in really radical situations, they will die. So education is kind of like a forgetting at the side when you have to provide your own food. So education is not one of the priorities. But we see this need and we change or um, we help to improve the facilities. Next one, please. So like kids can hear the gospel. Because once that we repair a, a school... The principal said, like, you are welcome. Come here anytime that you want. But the next time that I'm coming, I'm sharing the gospel. And in that picture that you see, that is a church. That is um, 30 kids became believers right there. And there was not an evangelical church in that community. And after the withdrawal a well, and we distributed filters, and we repaired that, a new church was established with eight families starting to become believers. And praise God for that. Now the kids have a place to go and place to go worship Jesus and learn about the true Jesus. Next one, please. So we already talked about subsistence uh, farmers and the subsistence agriculture area. This is how it looks. Uh, for me, it's gorgeous. I, like, I love mountains. And if you like mountains, you will like Honduras. And if you like coffee, you will like Honduras. And if you like chocolate, you will like Honduras. So uh, we love the countryside. We feel called to the agriculture uh, uh, missions. And, uh, but as I say, the, one of the struggles that subsistence farmers have is like they don't have access to a better production. They don't, ha they don't have even access to a market. Next one, please. So what we do is like I found out like um, if you sell the products from uh, subsistence farmers, you will be able to get a better price. And a co-op, and I believe there is a co-op in every single town that I go because I see these big buildings, elevators that you call. I would like to go inside one of them. Um, uh, the, the farmers are like, why you would like to buy me the crop? I see why I would sell it to, at the city, at the city market. And I'm like, well, because Jesus told me to do it. And I'm taking at the side the profit that I could earn because you are able to support us in, in the mission. And that extra money goes to the subsistence farmer. So he is able to, to buy this um, backpack for your kid, 
shoes for the kids, and is becoming improving the, the financial uh, economy of the household. Next one, please. And what happened next? Farmers are become believers. The head of the house, the father, is listening to the gospel. If you invite um, a family to a church or, or a revival meeting, sometimes mom and dad or the ki- mom and the kids will show up or sometimes just the kid will show up, but the father is never in the picture. But when you go to the farm, the father is there. And I take them to the side, we talk about Jesus, and people have become believers. Next one, please. Why we do this? The spiritual area. Well, we talk about the audience that we need to have so like people can hear the gospel. And I told you like why we do this because we want to be a true gospel uh, uh, preachers, and we don't want to be the wolf that are just looking for the money of the people. We want to be the the the, the a shepherd that is giving the word of the Lord to the hearts of the people and is not looking the pocket of the people. Well, one of the things in Honduras, and we have a YouTube channel, and you will, if you go there, you will find out, like, the bank, go to the bank, there is long, long lines to go into the bank. Uh, sometimes it took you five hours to go to the cashier and get your money, and so the lines are that long, and I don't know if you can see that line there, and they have to be waiting. And the Lord started carrying my heart like, you have to preach to that people. And I was saying like, no, no one will hear me. Hope you have to preach to that people. And every day I was having a carry on my heart like, you have to preach. And I'm like, I don't know, Lord, I like the farm side. I like to go one-to-one. You have to preach. And one time I was, um, uh, God gave me the opportunity this past March to go to Spain, uh, my uncle that lives in Chicago took my mom and me to Spain, and he practically paid for the entire trip. And I was in this big plaza with thousands and thousands of people were walking back and forth. And I was like, Dad, this is amazing. This is the first world. And I was looking at all the monuments, but the Lord was calling me to the people. And I was like, Laura, I'm in vacation. I want to see the museums and all that. Calling me to the people. And I was like, well, I will go preach. We will be at my last night there. I will go preach. And I took a cardboard and I signed like only heart, only God can feel completely the hearts. And I was in this plaza, all nervous, walking around with a big sign, walking. And people was looking at me. And then I said, like, well, it's time to preach. And I preached my sermon. I'm going to preach you in a little bit. And, and, and I said, like, who wants to become a believer? And, of course, I, I feel like a fool, like no one is listening to me. And a lady, a young lady, raised her hand. And she said, I want to become a believer. In that moment, I realized I was being um, a fool. Thinking like people doesn't listen. People that people never hear the gospel. They were rejecting the gospel. But that night, that, that young lady was there. She became a believer. So ever since then, I said like, okay, people listen. So that line in the bank is 
people have to be for hours there waiting to get inside. They don't have to where to go. What I do? I bring the sign and start preaching. And four people have become believers right there. Why? Because we want to be a true uh, preachers. Next one, please. And also we have a radio station. And well, we have a program in, a radio, in two radio stations that are not uh, playing Christian music. And what is the way that they could listen to the gospel? Well, they are, not going to, they are not going to tune a Christian radio station. They will only will listen what they want. So the guy gave me that idea, like, how about you have a, a sermon of three minutes, and then you play every day. So I was doing that. I record, and, and you know what? I'm not a voice recorder guy for a radio. I'm not like, you know, like, welcome to. The, no, I'm not like that. So I, I said, like, well, I will, I will record it. This, this is kind of going to, to be. And, and I put my phone number. I say my phone number at the end of the, of the, um, the radio program. And people start calling and send, sending me texts. And saying things that I could never understand why the Lord was doing that. And people was becoming believers through a radio uh, listen. Because they, they, their heart was so heavy that they need to share with, them, with me some terrible sins. Like some women was sent, call, texting me or calling me saying like, hey, I have something to confess. And I'm like, tell me. I'm in adultery with the pastor of my church. And then I was like, how can I tell this woman, go to your pastor and get, uh, get some advices if the pastor is doing this? Well, what pastor is doing that? The prosperity falls pastors. And Honduras and around Latin America is full of them. There is no true churches. And thank you for each of you because... Next one, please. People is become believer through all these uh, places. Because in front of a hand pump or a well, we preach the gospel. In front of a farm, we preach the gospel. In front of a roof uh, repair in a, in a school in the rural area, we preach the gospel. And people is become believer. And praise God for it. Next one, please. So what can you do? How can you help us if you want? Number one, you can pray. Pray for us. I would love that you take a prayer card back there and you take it at home and you put it in your fridge. That will be so encouraging. Encouraging us um, through um, emails. You can send us an email. You don't have, how, how, you don't have idea how much is, uh, it feels so good when you are overseas and someone from Hastings give you a like on you. And that's why I say follow. Next one, please. Because you can go to all here to follow us. You can go through email if you are not in social media. But if you are in Instagram, you can find me uh, as at TPJ Games. You can go to Facebook if you like more Facebook, Job David Games Avelar. And you could go to YouTube, Job Games. And each one has kind of like a different... Uh, posting, but all of them have the goal so you are able to follow what we are doing and also how we are representing you. Because I would like that 
you don't have to wait until heaven to realize what you were doing in Honduras through us. So if you would like to know more, please go there. And if uh, next one, please, is um, give. If you could give some of your likes, some of your prayers, and if God called you to be a financial support, thank you so much. Thank you to the church, the mission committee. Uh, I have a problem with that word. Uh, the, the mission group that leads missions, thank you so much that have been in touch with us. And, uh, and it's a blessing for me to be, um, in, in our family, to be an extension of your love and care for the loss. So what is next? Next one. That's the, oh, the demonstration farm. Uh, there we are building a farm where subsistence farmers could, could be convinced or they could realize if they do farming as us, they could have the same results. And that place, even though there it doesn't look as uh, how steep it is, it's pretty steep and it's not flat and it has a soil, a deep soil, kind of like uh, four inches or some, in some places one inch. That's the soil that subsistence farmers have to deal with. Next one. And we are already starting the co-op. So subsistence farmers are able to sell some of their crops to us and we help them to have uh, access to a better market. Next one, please. And the church. After I saw the problems that, that was dealing the people uh, without God, I noticed, like, I cannot do this, do this with my training at admissions. I need to go to a seminary. So I'm becoming um, um, a preacher. And after I graduated, I, my plan is to establish a church in, at the demonstration farm. And my prayer is, like, at every community that we drill a well, there could be a church that is preaching the true gospel. Next one. So if you have questions, please reach us at the end of the service or take a look of the table over there. You will see some of the tools that subsistence farmers use, and um, that will be a, a really, really big blessing for us. So next one. I think that's it. We are going to – that was just the presentation. Now we'll go to the sermon. So, um, you know, I always uh, try to, to uh, joke a little bit because uh, when I was a child, I always wanted to come to America. Man, you have the greatest places. You have McDonald's. You have Wendy's. Um, Walmart. That's, that's a dream. That, that was one of my dreams. But one of my dreams that I have, it was the snow. I wanted to see snow. And I asked one um, uh, American that was on my town when I was a child, and I asked him, like, how is, the, um, how is the snow? Tell me how is the snow. And he told me, like, hey, okay, open your, uh, your freezer, and then you fill it, and that's how it is. Well, this person didn't realize that when you are in 90 degrees, if you open your freezer, it feels cool. It feels great. But he didn't tell me, and I experienced this here, it's like it was not just open the freezer. It was you open the freezer, you get inside, you close the door, and that's how you feel snow. That was not good. That was not good. So I'm looking forward to uh, see the snow, but now I have different coats because it's so freezing. I don't know how guys you do it. Um, if you ever want to escape from winter, give us uh, a heads up and 
maybe we can make something that you can come to visit us at Honduras where it's going to be summer. I, I will promise you 95 up. So all, in all the coffee that you can drink. So um, today I want to make a little bit of a exercise with you all. I will give you the name of someone and not one that you imagine that person. Okay? But I want that you all, you all close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I want that you imagine a police officer. How is a police officer? Is he dressed with his uniform? Is he in his vehicle? Is he wearing a pistol in his hip? Okay. Now, how would he say football player? Is this football player has a helmet? Has the uniform as well? Okay. How is a farmer? Is he wearing boots, a pliers in the hip, a hat? Okay, open your eyes. I'm pretty sure if I ask to each of you, you will kind of will have the same, um, same, same answers. Because it's so easy to imagine something or someone that you have seen in, uh, oh, constantly. So I want that you close your eyes one more time. And now I want to ask you that you please imagine a Christian. How is a Christian? Is he wearing a suit and tie? Is he holding a Bible in his right hand? Close, open your eyes. You know, Christian comes in different sizes and in different um, shapes. And I wonder we talk about that. How a Christian should like, should look. How a Christian should look. And for that, I would like them. We go to Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12. And I want to tell you, like, Colossians, the letter of Colossians was wrote by Apostle Paul. While Paul was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, he was prisoner at Rome. And Apostle Paul didn't know this church. This church was established by one of the disciples of Apostle Paul. But this church was doing great. This church was abandoned in love and working, doing great things for others. So Colossians 3.12 will tell us what to do to reflect Jesus, how to reflect Jesus, and why we have to reflect Jesus. So I want, and I, it is my prayer, like when you walk out to that door, that you can remember what to do to reflect Jesus how to reflect Jesus, and why you are called to reflect Jesus. Colossians 3.12. It says, So, as those that have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, as those who have been chosen of God, Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your Bible. Thank you for um, you because you chose us to be your kids. Thank you because your gospel has been reaching us. And Lord, I, we want to learn this morning how to reflect you, how to be true Christians in this world that is in the desperate need. 
to know how a Christian looks. Please, Lord, help me to speak English, to preach this sermon for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the number one thing that you have to do on what do you, ha what do you have to do to reflect Jesus, it, we, will, we will see it in the second part of the verse. And it says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what we have to do is we have to uh, wear on us, put on these virtues. These virtues. So this, the idea that has put on, on you is like you have to dress it. You have to dress. As I'm dre dressing this shirt, you have to put on on you. So how you put on on you? Well, Apostle Paul is going to tell us about a spiritual uniform. As I call it like that, in a spiritual uniform. And I call it a uniform because when we are wearing a uniform, all of us, we are the same. All of us, we are equal. And all of us, we are representing the same thing. A police officer is representing the law. A football player is representing his team. A firefighter is representing the fire department. When we wear a uniform, we are standardized, and all of us look the same. So what to do? We have to put on. And how to do it? Well, with the spiritual uniform. And this spiritual uniform has five virtues. Five virtues that you should wear and I should wear. And we will read it as this. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the first virtue is heart of compassion. Compassion. I believe this church has compassion. Because this church donates a well. That's an act of compassion. No one does that just, just because. Compassion moves you and do that. And compassion is something good. Compassion is related as mercy. But I wonder why Apostle Paul has to put on to, to, to grab beside of compassion a little adjective there in his, in his heart. I notice uh, a noun, but here is, wearing as a, here is using as an adjective. Heart of compassion. Well, I say like when Apostle Paul wrote this, it was the Roman Empire. And you know that the, the emperor of uh, Romans had a coliseum. The Rome Coliseum, that big building, a lot of people go and see it. And their gladiators were fighting for their life. And when the fight was over, and one of the gladiators was on the floor, and he was getting ready to be killed, it was the emperor who will show up at the little balcony and will put this thumb. And I want to, you all see this thumb. This thumb, if it was down, it means the gladiator that was going to be killed. This thumb, if it was up, it means that the gladiator, the loss, it will, it will survive. Well, sometimes this uh, king, it was going to put his thumb up. And what will the people will say that was at the Coliseum? He was going to praise him because he was being mercy he was he he's being merciful with this with this man 
But that this king was not doing it because he was moved by compassion, a heart of compassion, a genuine compassion. He was doing it because he wanted to be praised. Heart of compassion here has the, mean, the meaning that we have to have a genuine art of compassion, act of compassion to others. To others that doesn't deserve genuine compassion. And when the Apostle Paul said, like, put on a heart of compassion, that doesn't mean, like, every other day. It means, like, every day you have to wear on you heart of compassion. Do things for all people that doesn't deserve it. And be merciful with them in a genuine way. The second word, the second virtue that we have to see in this uniform, spiritual uniform, is kindness. Kindness here has the, has the meaning on being, um, doing act of service so people doesn't uh, going to pay you back. You know, it is good, it is easy to be kind when people is going to reward you back. But when you have a boss that is not kind with you, when you have a partner when he's not kind with you, a neighbor that is not kind with you, it is hard to be kind with them. But the Lord is asking us to be kind. And that kindness needs to be relayed with heart of compassion. Needs to be genuine kindness. And the number third virtue is humility. I think all of us knows like this sculpture um, that it's in one of the museums in Europe that is the name of the sculpture is David. And if I remember good, it was Leonardo da Vinci who made it. And this sculpture has been admired for generations. And this sculpture was made by hand with a hammer. And let me ask my wife this, this word because I forget how you say cincel. Uh, um, how? Chisel. I, sometimes. I, that happens all the time. I have to ask because I forget. So a hammer and a chisel. So the sculptor has to be doing, working for months to build this uh, sculpture with a hammer and a chisel. Well, humility here has the concept like you and I shouldn't have a higher concept of us of what we should have. So imagine an act of not humility that a hammer and chisel will show up to the big audience looking at the David the sculptor and say, like, hey, 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 I did that. It was me who did it. A hammer and a chisel trying to get the praise from the sculptor. The man that did the, the work. And you know what? That brings me that idea that sometimes we are that hammer and that chisel. If we have a big crop, look what I did, people should say, will say, no, it was God who did it. If we have a big church, look, our church, is God doing it? Or look, I have a great job. No, it was God who gave it to you. Humility. Humility, heart of compassion, 
kindness, humility, and the four virtues of the spiritual uniform to reflect Jesus is gentleness. You know, kindness is do act of service, uh, to be kind with people that is doing uh, not good with us. Gentle, gentleness have here the same idea. Imagine that someone is yelling at you, and if you yell back, you already bleach the name of Jesus. And if we want to reflect Jesus, we have to act gentle. And gentle here has that idea that even if you are having a really a hard time and someone is giving you a hard time, you are not going to answer the same way. Gentleness. And the fifth virtue is patience. And I have to be honest with you here. That is the hardest virtue in my life. And, and I ask forgiveness to the Lord because sometimes I'm not patient with my wife. I'm not patient with my daughter. And, and I am not patient with the workers. And I bleach the name of Jesus. And I have to preach this sermon to me so that I'm able to preach it to you. Because we are called to reflect Jesus. And patient here has that idea that you remain in control while you are having a really, really hard time. Patient while you're waiting an answer from the Lord. Patient while you are waiting that something change at your work. Remain in control. So we have seen what to do to reflect Jesus and it's to put on these virtues. We already see how to reflect Jesus and his five virtues, heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But why? Why we have to do this? Why we have to every day put on a uniform to confront who we are? Well, number one, that little two words is a command. Put on. Apostle Paul is not giving you a chance here, like saying, like, if you would like to, if, if possible, if it's not there. And my flesh would love to have that if there. And it's like, if it's possible, hope, be patient. No, the Lord is commanding, commanding us to put on and here, it also have the, this command. It's not only something that you have to do once. You have to keep doing it constantly. Every day, put on on you these five virtues. That's the reason why. Number, the reason number one of why. The reason number two, because we are Christians. Go to Colossians 3, 1. And he says there, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep up seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If you have been raised up with Christ. In other words, if you are a Christian, put on the uniform, spiritual. If you are a Christian, wear it every day. 
If you are a Christian, we have to do this. If you are a Christian, this command is for you. So that made me ask you, that led me to ask you, are you a Christian? If you are, this command is for you. And I said like this command in this sermon is to reflect Jesus. But why? Well, it was a command. It's also an evidence that you are being raised up with Christ. But also, it truly reflects Jesus. Jesus says, like, he is reaching what? Mercy. Ephesians 2.4 says, like, I'm rich, that he is rich in mercy. And praise God that he is rich in mercy because I need that mercy every day. So, if we, are, if we act with compassion, we are being as Christ, showing mercy. Number two, kindness. Well, Kindness, we said, like, it was to do something for someone that cannot pay you back. Jesus did the biggest favor for us, the redemption. We are not going to be able to pay him back. doesn't matter how many crowns you get for what you have done here. That crown is to give it to the Jesus, not in the way to pay him back, in the way to honor him to what he did in your life. Kindness. God show, Jesus showed us his mercy, his compassion. He did the kindness, the biggest kindness favor that you and I could get. And also, he, he said, like, take my joke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. These virtues are reflecting Jesus. And every time that you put on the spiritual uniform, your neighbor, your spouse, your kids will see Jesus reflecting in you. And the fifth virtue, Jesus is being patient. He's patient with you and me to start living as he wanted us to live. Jesus is being patient because if you are not a believer and you are here this morning, he's being patient with you so you can give his life, your life, to him. Patient. But also, why? Why we have to wear it? Because it's a command, because it reflects Jesus, because it's an evidence that you are being resurrected, but also because it reflects the character of God. Look, the first part of the um, verse 12. So uh, those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humi- uh, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those who, ha- who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. If you have been resurrected, I know that this command is for you, but I have a good news. You have been chosen. Chosen of God. And here chosen, he doesn't have that idea that the Lord saw a big bag of beans and he put his hand and whatever he grabbed, he said, oh, here is hope. You, have got, you won the lottery. You are free. No. Here has that idea that he chose you by name. 
He knew what you were going to do. And he took you from this bunch of humans that were sinning against him and brought you to the life. Chosen by God. But the creator of the universe. The one who see your sin is choosing you. And have chose you to be a representative. To reflect Jesus. But he not only chose you. He also make you holy. Holy. And you know what? Holy, it completely makes sense. Because nobody can be at the presence of the Lord with sin. It needs to be without sin. And I praise the Lord because he had he see me uh, without sin through his son of Jesus. So I am chosen and holy in front of the Lord. And, I, and as I said, it completely makes sense. Because redemption works that way. Somebody have to be chosen you. Somebody to make you clean. But here's the cherry of the ice cream. He loves you. You and I do not deserve the love. He already did a big favor, chosen you, making you holy. But he is loving you. And that doesn't make sense. Because the creator of the universe, who owns everything, is loving me. That's a big, big honor. And that is the brand of the spiritual uniform. The character of God. That he has chosen you. That he makes you holy. And he makes you beloved. So. If you are not a Christian. I have a really bad news for you. And a good news. A bad and a good one. The bad one is like you cannot reflect Jesus. You cannot reflect what you don't have. If you don't have him, doesn't matter how much you try to put on the, the spiritual uniform of the five virtues that reflect Jesus, it won't work. People will see you and won't see him. But the good news is like today you can become a believer. You can come here and we can pray for you. And I know the pastors and the elders will be happy to lead you in, in compassion through the eternal path. And if you are a Christian, I have a bad news and a good news for you. If you the bad news is like if you are not wearing these five virtues, you are sinning. And know where God doesn't like that we sin. But the good news is like we have someone that can forgive your sins and could help you to every day where the five virtues that reflect Jesus, that have the brain of the mark of being chosen, holy, and beloved. So what you are going to do now? My prayer is like when you walk to that door, every day, the God reminds you, when you are about to not act, act in compassion, the compassion comes to you. 
when you are about to be impatient, the patient comes to you. When you are about to be yell someone, gentleness and kindness comes to you. And when the pride starts growing in your chest, the God can come and give you some humility. Let's pray. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive us. Because as sinners, we always like to be looking for our flesh desires. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you help me and the hasting church to every day put on in us heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we can reflect who you really are. And the false preachers, false Christians could be in shame because we will show to our boss, to our employees, to our family, to our neighbors who you really are. Help us, Lord. You know that it's hard. You know that it will be hard. And you know that we are going to fail many times. But in you, we will be able to do it. I pray for your help. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much.